temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. From the lakefront to the riverfront, this is where Wisconsin sports fans come to talk. The Bill Michael Show. Now, here's your host, Bill Michaels. Bill Michaels show on the air, and we are glad to have you on this Thursday. Thursday night football coming up tonight down in Chicago. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into Soldier Field. Looking forward to that this evening. And uh, don't forget tonight, 6 to 8, you've got the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. 6 to 8 tonight, looking forward to that as well. Right now, though, we want to talk a little more about uh, this Packers team and about the bye week at the first quarter of the season. Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, let's bring him in. Do you want to know what's going on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue? What's next for the pack? Let's check in with our green and gold insider, Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Brought to you by Thomas Marola Law Offices. Divorce, child custody, and other family law needs. Go with experience. Go with Thomas Marola. Online at marolalaw.net or call 414-327-5800. Ryan Ward of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Ryan, uh, the first quarter of the season is done. The Packers perfect record-wise. but uh, So when you sit back and you kind of analyze the first quarter, and I know Mike McCarthy used to be really big on quarters of seasons, so what do you take away from the first four, both on the positive side and the negative side? Well, you start with the positive and wrap that into one word, and that, that's offense. And the negative, you could probably wrap into one word, too, and that's defense. Now, I do think that the the negative has been better than the positive has been bad. You know what I mean? So the positive has been really dominant for, for this, this Packers offense. They've been 152 points, almost 1,800 yards through four games. That, that They're setting records. It's record-breaking offense, just like you saw back in 2011. Totally different way that they're doing it, but very similar. What's different even more so than 2011. This defense, while it has been the negative, it's a lot better than that 2011 defense. The last time the Packers had an offense like this, their defense was bottom of the league woeful. This defense is a lot better than that. So they're they're starting from a higher floor. And I do think that this defense can can get better um, as the season goes on, but it's probably going to be what it is, right? It's, It's going to be a defense, much like last year. It gives up yards. It's going to give up points. 
Um, the Packers are very similar to the past. I mean, they're, they're going to have to outscore some teams, but um, you know, it's it, it's a bit of a, a polarizing team, and that you've got a great offense, you've got a defense that has struggled. But at the end of the day, I, I, I still I, I think the defense is is got some playmakers. Get Kenny Clark back. Um, it, it's it's going to round into better form. Uh, I I like where some of the headspace is regarding the defense, specifically Zedaria Smith. I know that Mike Pettin said, well, we don't want to make excuses because of the ankle, but they had to kind of talk to him and say, hey, look, we know you're struggling because of the ankle. We know that you're trying to do many different things and we're putting you in many different positions. Do you get a sense that when Kenny Clark comes back, you get a couple of weeks to heal up the ankle, you start that this defense could really, I don't want to say take off to a, a prestigious level, but become – much better than what it is. Yeah, I do. I don't know if it's ever going to be legit top 10 defense, but I think it's, it's ceiling isn't much behind that. I mean, at the very least, I think this is a defense that's very capable of being average um, as far as being a floor. And if that's the case with this offense, that should be good enough to, to win a lot of games. And I mean, if this is an average defense with what they've been doing offensively, this is a team that, that can win the final game of the year. So, yeah, I, I, there's no question. Look, they, they paid Kenny Clark $70 million to, to eat up the middle of that, that, that defense and, and, and just to anchor down there, and they haven't had that anchor except for 15 snaps this season. He hasn't played since right before halftime of the opener in Minnesota. So that's a huge that's – a, that, that's a big gulf that, that, that is missing from the very center of your defense. Uh, when he gets back, we'll see – how much of an impact that return makes, I would imagine it's it's likely to happen coming out of the bye in Tampa next week. Um, so, you know, there's no question. He, he's there to, to take on blockers. And if he takes on blockers, Zedaria Smith's got fewer blockers. Preston Smith has fewer blockers. Um, it, it opens things up for the guys on the edge. I uh, I like the way Matt LaFleur – there was a lot of talk this morning. I was watching uh, Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, and I like to talk about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and the flow of the offense and the fact that it's almost looked at, at times effortless. The only area of criticism uh, comes in the red zone is some of the red zone calls, and that's something when you go back and you kind of do some self-scouting, as Matt LaFleur had talked about. Um, he, he had talked about he needs better calls in the red zone. What do you think that Matt LaFleur is specifically looking at when it comes to red zone calls that have not been as effective or those fourth and short calls that have not been as effective? I, I mean, I, I thought his he had a very detailed explanation of, of, of the last one that they had Monday night against Atlanta on fourth and one. They come really fourth and a foot. They, they, they come to the line of scrimmage, and Matt LaFleur knows what the play is. It's a dive that, with Jamal Williams. And then he sees the coverage, and – it's cover zero. I mean, the Falcons start off with one somewhat deep safety and everyone else is at the line of scrimmage, but then even the deep, the quote unquote deep safety, because it's on the goal line, even he cheats up into the box. It's literally cover zero. Um, and you, you just, you, you don't love having a dive call into cover zero in, in goal line situation. That's, that's not, that's not advantageous for your offense. And sure enough, they, they brought more than the Packers could block and they blew up the play in the backfield. And, you know the, the the sickening thing for Matt Lafleur is that he he knew that would happen. I mean, he 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 knows what what happens when you're in goal line situation and you're running straight into a cover zero look, and they've got more defenders stopping the run than what you can block. He, he knows that, that 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 that's what happens, and he said after, after afterward that he should have called the timeout there and, and got them into a better play. So that, that's a good example of 
you know, it's it's not going to be perfect. And the amazing thing with this offense is that it has 152 points. It has four straight games of 30 points, and it has not been very good in the red zone, and especially has not been very good at the goal line. You would expect all those points you, you'd be scoring that that some of them would be the the easy chipping from from the one yard line, and, and that's just not been the, the case. So. I mean, think of it this way, Bill. It's quite possible that they might even get better if, if they fix the red zone issues. And as good as they've been, that, that's got to be scary for the league. So the rest of the uh, division, we, we, we look more so towards Minnesota because I think Minnesota's truly a better team than what we've witnessed. And I think the Bears are a worse team than what we've witnessed. But the rest of the division, is there a real threat in the division, uh, You know, barring massive injury from the Packers? Do you feel or do you think that the the Packers are just right now just head and shoulders above everybody else? I think it's the latter. I think if this team stays healthy, this divisional race is over. And I know that's a big statement for week five. I get that. But I think it's head and shoulders above everybody else if they stay healthy. I mean, if there's injuries, if Aaron Rodgers misses half the season, like 2017, 2013, all bets are off, right? I mean, if they they have massive injuries on defense and all of a sudden they're in a position where they've got to score – 35 points every week to win all bets are off but as of right now this is a team that has avoided the major injury and it is a team that is clearly better than the other three competitors in the nfc north the nfc north has not been that good and i'm right with you with the chicago bears and we'll see tonight it'll be very interesting but the chicago bears don't have a quarterback if you don't have a quarterback in this league what do you have even with a great defense potentially what what do you really have without a quarterback in this league you don't have much so you look at the rest of the division, it's as much about that, the other three teams, as it is about the Packers and the fact that they very well possibly are one of the top two teams in the NFC. I mean, you put the Packers and Seattle right right there, 1A, 1B. Um, those are the two undefeated teams. The Seattle, I think a lot of people were high on coming into the season. The Packers, people laid low on, despite being 13-3, and three, and through four games they've proven that that was absolutely no fluke and that they're even better than last year. Uh, there's a big there's a big gap in this NFC North between the the, the top team and the other three. Uh, I like what's going on with some of the other teams in the NFC. I look at Tampa Bay and they're starting to hit their stride. Seattle, I don't. Seattle's defense. I mean, they picked up snacks yesterday. I don't know what how much more that's going to bolster. But I've always said you win games in the trenches. So if he's bringing anything to the table, then you know it's going to be a better defense than what we've witnessed thus far. But Russell Wilson, I think he gets overlooked. He's having a hell of a season right now. But tell me who else right now you believe is going to be a legitimate threat in the NFC. It's hard not to look at this conference right now as a two-team conference because not just because there's there's two undefeated teams, but again, one of them, you know, the, the Seahawks were my preseason pick, and I do think that Russell Wilson is the best player in this conference. No disrespect to Aaron Rodgers because he's been phenomenal. No disrespect to Aaron Jones because he's been phenomenal. Russell Wilson is playing off the charts, and 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 he was doing the same last year. It's not a surprise. Everyone expected this. Um, and then you've got the Packers who were 13-3 and last year and on the doorstep of the NFC Championship game and clearly looked better than they were a year ago, and they were pretty good a year ago. So um, it's, it's tough not to look. You know, I think that there's a gap right now at the quarter pole between those two teams and everyone else, but in terms of everyone else, I mean, you're looking at maybe the Bucks with that defense and Tom Brady and the offensive skill position talent that they have. That, that's, that's a very good team. Uh, you're looking you – know, I, I know that the San Francisco 49ers have a lot of injuries, but they are still the reigning NFC champs. They still have the offensive and, and defensive scheme that was so brilliant last year on both sides of the ball. 
Um, are, are they as talented as last year? No. Uh, losing to Forrest Buckner is, is going to hurt that defense. And um, on, on the other side, you know, they, they, they've, they've obviously got some injuries, but that's still a team that you can't overlook. So there, there's some other competitors in, in this conference, but through the quarter pool, I think that you're seeing two teams that have, have positioned themselves as the very early front runners. You don't know how injuries are going to play into the, a factor, and oftentimes it does. But without injuries, you know, the Seahawks, the Packers, it's, it's 1A, 1B to me. Always good to talk to you, uh, Ryan. We certainly appreciate it. We'll talk again next week as we get ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll also look back on what we saw to the Buccaneers uh, tonight. It'll be a good game tonight, absolutely. Take care, Bill. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is our buddy Ryan Wood, Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com, and he joins us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been doing it. Call them 844-PRIDE or go to SchneiderJobs.com, 844-PRIDE, or go to SchneiderJobs.com. Hey, a reminder, coming up, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Kate Majuk about an hour and 10, 15 minutes from now, and she is going to be doing some fantasy football with us. So if you have fantasy football questions, get them in. And uh, hashtag us over on Twitter at AskKate. AskKate from uh, BallBlastFootball.com, RotoWorld.com. Got uh, fantasy football coming up today. Want to go back to the Brewers talk, okay? You Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Michael show continues radio Joe back here in the studio. We'll hear from more from Bill Michaels coming up here in just a second, but last hour on the show, if you missed it, we were talking a lot about David Stearns and a lot of the things he had to say about the Brewers heading into the off season earlier this week on the show. We talked with our insider, Adam McAlvey, and he also weighed in on this. Here's their conversation. When David Stern starts talking about the future and everybody wants him to spend money and go out and get guys, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen, does it? No, and I mean, if anyone's surprised by that, I I would love to trade places with you because you've missed the carnage of the last six months. Um, I don't think, I mean, if anyone expected payroll to go up with what's happened in the country and, and for a sport that had no fans in the stands, I, I'd love to have a conversation about that um i would expect it was way more likely that it goes down and he's not going to commit to that now uh but it's a really tough situation for me what complicates this offseason is two things one you know this is a team that operates under low flexibility financial flexibility in a great year now you're in the midst of a pandemic where the industry has taken ruinous losses um because they can't have fans in the seats Two, how do you even analyze what the hell you have because my favorite stat i keep saying this and maybe people are tired of me saying it the brewers had their worst offensive year ever by a couple of different measures batting average being the simplest um contact their worst year ever they were Mm -hmm. second best in the national league central now I have no idea, if, if I'm a GM, how to analyze 
what the hell you have in terms of this offense. I think it's bad, um, but how bad relative to what happened in the rest of the sport? And how do you measure the numbers that you saw in this 60-game season when all across the game, uh, really good players like Christian Yelich just never could get going? That is a huge challenge for David Stearns when you take away the financial component of the thing to determine where he needs to solve problems. So, look, I mean, bottom line, he said it. The offense was not good, and they need to start working backwards from that premise. How do you fix it is going to be the real challenge, especially when you don't really have, you know, they're going to say they don't have the finances to go just like solve this via free agency. They're going to have to do it in other ways. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the average fan to understand and go, oh, okay, you don't have money. When we're talking about, billions and the amount of money that was being argued about uh in the uh you know in, in the be in the in the beginning because we were talking about the ability of major league baseball to get games in what they were going to lose what they weren't going to lose and all that kind of stuff so it, it, it's tough to talk about in, in that realm because people just look at the game as making billions of dollars and fans want to see your team at least go out and spend money in the right places to bring in the right people that you know you can fix so to speak fix particular holes so yeah, I, i'm, I'm with you with go ahead here's here's two problems with that bill one is you know the brewers would say they've done that david stearns would argue they've done that um even though payroll came down at the start of this year from the year before they committed 215 million dollars to christian yelich they still had a payroll that in their accounting was over $100 million um, because they don't just count the salaries of the 20, what it was supposed to be, 26 players on the opening day roster. There's more that goes into their payroll, a lot more that goes into their payroll accounting. So they would say they have spent. Now, the fans would say they haven't because they see other teams spending more. And they see an owner who's a billionaire. Um, and they, you know, the other, the, the second compli- really complicating thing to the argument for teams that are saying that they don't have the financial flexibility is that the New York Mets just sold for, you know, someone will have to look up the figure. I'll, I'll make up a figure and say $119 billion. It didn't appear that the Mets were impacted by the, the value of the franchise was impacted by the world around it. Um, and that is, that's the argument that I don't know that there's ever going to be a consensus about how to solve it, where fans see the owner's um, value in, in the value of their franchise and say, you should spend now. It, okay, you take year to your loss, fine. You're going to cash out eventually. And the owners just don't look at running a business that way. They look at running yeah. a business by the bottom line year to year. And that's an argument that we're going to have forever. Um, I, yeah, I just, two six, two point six billion. By the way, is what the yeah. Mets sold for. So yeah. look, I mean that's and that's in the midst of the greatest cre- financial crisis our country has seen since the depression. So, you know, there fans have an argument there that owners should like stop stop talking about year to year finances and losing money year to year because your value is in the value of your franchise. Here's another thing I would say: spending money is great. It does not put you over the top. It, or it, it is not the thing that determines whether you're a good team or not. And there's examples all over the place. The Cincinnati Reds fared worse than the Brewers did in the postseason mm-hmm. after backing up a Brinks truck over the, the winter to some free agents. Um, and, you know, look, the, Ray, the, the Tampa Bay Rays are always the team that is raised as the example. They, they've done a great job of 
being really competitive. They look really good again this year. Um, and, you know, they do it. So it, it's, you don't need, you know, the, the highest payroll doesn't win the World Series. It, it helps you. So I, I'm not, I, I understand why this is a, an area of focus. And I expect that it will continue to be this winter just like it was last winter. It is um, – it's tough when you look, though, and you see that one of the best teams in all the sport is the L.A. Dodgers, who are spending an absolute butt-ton of money. You know what I mean? Yeah, but look, again, the Dodgers are a really tricky example, too, because they're, if they win the World Series finally, they're not going to have bought that World Series. They Of the playoff teams um, that made it to the Division Series round, they by far have the most homegrown players. So they've also done a great job of developing their own players, but then they've kept them. And that's been the thing I know that long has, you know, Brewers fans will say that's the story of their team is they've, they've not been totally bereft of good homegrown players, but how many of them have stayed? And that, right. that, is a, that, that has been a problem for this franchise since the early 90s when the economics all changed and, and started working against this team. Um, so, look, but, but I think, you know, the Dodgers are – you can you can kind of argue that the Dodgers are an example of you can get there if you you know draft develop really good players yourselves and that's that's a big part of what the Dodgers have done. Anyway, that's the one thing about the Dodgers they hardly have anybody that's really I mean they got four or five players coming up that are going to be free agents but nobody of of epic proportion that is is going to make the, that's going to diminish that club you know what I mean. Yeah, they've got a good core. I mean, they're a, they're a powerhouse team. Um, and look, the, nobody would argue that that the Brewers were the better team in that postseason matchup. The Dodgers were far and away, all around the diamond, the better baseball team. I guess I just would say it it was you know peak baseball that each of those games turned on you know kind of a little thing, and the margin mm-hmm. in those the individual games showed you the peril of those best of three series um the brewers if they could have got a hit which was you know a a a big challenge for them all year but one hit changes the course of either game um you know game one turns on brent Suter not being able to find the strike zone which is i don't know if anyone could predict that and then game two changes on that error uh and the dodgers being a really good baseball team they they you know capitalized and they took advantage Mm -hmm. of that opportunity but I mean, those were not ten to nothing games. They were right there for the Brewers, and I, you know, it showed sort of, you know, again, just baseball is. Look, David Stern said this in his season closing press conference. He he kind of articulated as cleanly as po- as possible and as ever their philosophy of this thing. Put yourself in the postseason as many times as possible. Give yourself as many bites at the apple as possible. And one of those times, if you do it enough is going to be that really special time where the pieces all fall into place. Now, I don't know if that's good enough for Brewers fans who just want a juggernaut that's going to steamroll to the World Series. That would be probably more fun, definitely be less agonizing. But the way that the Brewers see their challenge in the the structure, the way the game is, that's how they view it. And that's what they're trying to do is get to the postseason as many, get to the postseason more years than not, and one of those years, could be that really special season where everything falls into place. And they almost did it a couple of seasons ago, got to a game seven against a, another really, really good Dodgers team. And the Brewers were solid that year. And it, look, Jeremy Jeffress, 
was awesome all year. It, you know, I'm not pinning it on one guy, but, you know, you look for turning points in these things. A couple of turning points involving a really good reliever on the mound and the Dodgers getting a huge home run, big hit. Um, that's, that's where it turns. And if the Brewers reach the World Series, maybe it's a different conversation we're having right now. I don't know. But, but yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I think it was, it's been interesting to hear David Stearns articulate that a little bit. Um, like, that's the way he thinks about building these teams. Get yourself to the postseason and give yourself a shot. So this team, and real quick, because I know we're running late, but this team, and I said it today, it's not in rebuild. They're not going to strip it down, but they're going to retool it in many different ways, yeah. and it may be small, short-term, catch lightning in a bottle contracts. And the other thing is, you know, because of the just constraints and what any team can do in a single offseason, you're going to have to rely on some players who were really bad this year. You're going to have to think, and I don't know if Omar Narvaez is that guy, but he jumps to my mind as like the prime candidate. You need to determine whether your analysis of what this guy was as an offensive player when you made that trade is right or whether what he was in the 60-game season is who he is. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to come down on that one, but there's going to be examples where they go into the next season with guys who are really disappointing this year. Adrian Hauser is another guy that comes to mind on the pitching side. Um you're not going to be able to wipe the slate clean except for the players who did well in 2020 and then fill in you know, with, with better players at every other position. You're going to have to pick and choose your spots where you think you can make impact. And look, there's lots of possibilities. First base, again. Third base, again. Um, maybe catcher. We'll see. Um, you know, what are you going to do at shortstop? Is Orlando Arcia now the guy there? And, and does that make Urias a, a potential for third base? There's some moving pieces, um, but I guess my point is that they're going to make some decisions that tick people off a little bit and make it look like they're just sticking with mediocrity. But what they're doing in, in those cases probably is sticking with the analysis that led them to acquire those players in the first place and not make snap decisions based on this 60-game sample in which we saw all across the sport weird things happen, and they were almost always bad for the hitters. Yep. Adam, great stuff. Uh, enjoy the off season, and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk again soon. Sounds good. Yep, this is all guarantees. They're going to go out and be the biggest spending team in the winter and bring in every free agent <laughs> possible. Find a gold pile of gold somewhere buried underneath Miller Park. Yeah, that ain't happening. I'll tell you that right now. But, uh, you know, we can keep dreaming, man. That's what it's all about. That's what sports fans do. We keep dreaming. Good stuff. At least the Packers are good. Yeah, no kidding. That's Adam McKelvey, Brewers.com, MLB.com, joining Bill a little bit earlier this week. On the other side, we will hear more from Brewers General Manager and President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns. A lot more to say, including some of the guys that just underachieved this year. Radio Joe with you as the Bill Michaels Show rolls on. Border to border. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Michael show continues on. Thanks for listening to Wisconsin, wherever you may be today on a Thursday. I'm radio Joe. Big unit. will be back on here shortly. Stay tuned. 
In the meantime, holding down the fort, Evan Heffelfinger, other side of the glass. Don't forget fantasy football with Kate Majuk of BallBlastFootball.com. She is coming up in about 45 minutes or so. If you're tweeting at us, you can tweet at us at Bill underscore Michaels, at Radio Joe Sports, and also please use the hashtag AskKate. But we want to continue on with some of the other things David Stearns had to say in his long season-ending press conference. It was like 45 minutes. They covered a lot of ground, him and all of the main beat writers for the Milwaukee Brewers that covered the team, one of which was Ryan Braun. Uh, There's been a lot of talk as to whether or not Ryan Braun will come back. His wife had posted on Instagram uh, last week that – Well, maybe that doesn't seem to be the case. She was thanking the Brewers family for everything. Um, It feels like Ryan Braun may not come back, but they asked the GM about it. What did David Stearns think? I think Ryan's going to take his time here. Um, A constant uh, with Ryan is I think he wants to understand what the world is going to look like um, as we get into next year, and and we're not going to know that for a while. So I don't anticipate – him really thinking much about this in, in over the next couple months. Uh, maybe I'm wrong and, and maybe he reaches a decision faster, but uh, I, w- I would imagine Ryan's going to take his time, um, enjoy the beginning of his off season. And then as, as maybe we all get a little bit more clarity as to what uh, baseball will look like in the new year. That's when I anticipate he, he probably starts thinking a little bit more concretely about it. David, if I could go back to Ryan for a second, because of his, potential contract situation for next season does his decision kind of play a role in what you can or can't do uh, in terms of off-season changes and improvements um at at some point we're probably going to need to have a conversation about that and and try to get some clarity but uh we're we're also understandably a ways away from that and so at at the outset of the off-season I wouldn't see that situation necessarily holding up any other offseason plans yeah it, it, that's going to be one of the biggest questions is what will the brewers do with ryan braun or will ryan braun just say i'm retiring that's it um we're going to be keeping a close eye on that and also that will free up some money um in addition i mean if ryan braun wants to come back and the brewers decide now nah, we're not going to do it then they got to pay him four million dollars to buy him out There's just a lot that goes into this, and it makes me wonder, with that money freeing up, are the Brewers just going to put it in their pocket? Because, like everyone right now, every team in baseball is struggling financially with everything that's going on with COVID-19. So that, And again, I know that doesn't sit well with some Brewers fans out there, but that is going to be one of the big things to pay attention to. Now, there were a lot of guys that struggled, and of course, we have to start with the MVP, Christian Yelich. I think we're going to look back at this and, and just recognize it was the perfect storm um, for Yelly. I think we're going to look back at a player who hadn't played competitive baseball for 10 months, um, who didn't then have a, a normal ramp up spring training time, uh, who um, was then competing in an environment that was very different than he's ever competed in uh, before, whether it's lack of fans, um, different travel arrangements, different clubhouse accommodations, different video access. Um, And we're going to remember that it was a a shortened season um, where he never really had a chance to climb out of um, what was an early season slump. Uh, So I think as as we 
assess this Christian Yelich year um, in, in future seasons. We're going to think to really a confluence of events um, that led to um, what by his standards was a challenging year. So, and I'm back by the way, after some, a uh, couple of technical issues, but nevertheless, Stearns talks about then Keston Hira who was struggling as well. Probably a combination. There, there were certainly adjustments made against him and, and we didn't have the length of the season and the volume of plate appearances to necessarily give him an opportunity to adjust back. Um, you know, I, I think Keston's a really good hitter, um, and I would expect him to be a really good hitter going forward. You certainly hope. I mean, uh, the, the big thing for Keston Hero was he is a good hitter. It's just his strikeout rate was so, so high. It's just there were times where it just it didn't, it didn't look like he was even it, – it's all about launch angle, okay? And I know sabermetrically and statistically and such they get into that, but – at times, there's just no connectivity, so to speak, when you're just putting the ball in play. Also, Nervais, uh, he didn't have a, a great season. It was somewhat of a disappointing season. Here's David Stearns talking about it. Omar, a very um, unique case this year because we, we acquired a player who had consistently performed at a really high level um, at the catcher position offensively. And, and the questions, uh, to the extent there were questions surrounding Omar, were really on the other side of the ball. Um, and Omar worked incredibly hard defensively. He improved his game more than we could have anticipated defensively. Um, and then the hitter that, uh, that was in Seattle last year never, never got going. Um, and so that was surprising for us. It, it was disappointing. We had um, been counting on him to, to be um, a stable part of our offense, and, and we just never got there. And that, that's – that's a big decision for us going forward is, is do we think um, that this was a, an anomalous uh, season um, and, and that potentially he can, uh, he can bounce back next year. Sure. Ho- sure. Hope so. Sure. Hope so. Uh, 855-830-8648-855-830-8648. You want to chime in, feel free to go ahead and do so. Uh, we'll talk more about the future of the Milwaukee Brewers, but also uh, one of the reasons why one coach is on the outside looking in. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Coming up next on the Bill Michaels Show. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Now, a green and gold update. Brought to you by Concordia University, Wisconsin Veteran Services Department. Learn how to use your military benefits at cuw.edu slash veterans. In Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers have a bye week. Next, they travel to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Defensive back Jair Alexander held the Falcons receiver, Calvin Ridley, to zero receptions in Green Bay's win over Atlanta. On Monday night, Jair gave credit to line Backers Adaria Smith and safety Raven Green for keeping pressure on Atlanta's Matt Ryan, holding him to zero touchdown passes. It makes our job ten times easier. I didn't, I didn't even know that Darius had three sacks. Um, I didn't know uh, Raven had a sack. You know, I didn't even know. You know, it's just. It's different with, without the crowd noise, you know. A lot of times they feel like incompletions, but hey, we'll take them, you know. We'll take the sacks, you know. It's, it's nothing new to those guys. 
Alexander finished the game despite being on the injury report with a hand and knee injury and missing Saturday's final practice. I've been on the injury report every every week last year and the year before, you know, so it's just one of those nagging pains. Hey, at the end of the day, I go out and do what I got to do, you know, for the team. That's Packers defensive back Jair Alexander in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. Cruising around right now, listening to the program. Maybe you're a truck driver over the road. Maybe just uh, live on a farm. You're probably looking at the corn that's sitting out there right now and wondering, why is there still corn in the field? I'll tell you why. Uh, and it's going to help the uh, the economy not only here in Wisconsin, but in the surrounding areas as well. As According to the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, 14.3 million acres of farmland in Wisconsin. And October is harvest month. Day and night, they're going to be out there running, taking in this year's work, uh, worth of work right out of the fields putting it in a truck, sending it off to the market. Why? Because every vehicle can use unleaded 88 or 85. That's right. It's going to be made into ethanol, refined, locally produced ethanol. It means Wisconsin jobs and jobs throughout the upper Midwest, farmers, transporters, refinery workers, thousands and thousands of jobs. And all you have to do is complete the circle, right? Just all you got to do, unleaded 88, put it in your car. If you've got a, a gas station you're pulling into, just look. It'll say un, it'll say 88, 85. Uh, 93, you can look at all those different things. You can either use unleaded 88, E85, E85 if you've got the flex fuel on the back of your vehicle or if you've got the actual E85 badging on your car. But a good portion of the corn grown right here in our own backyard used for ethanol. So if you want to kind of dispel all the myths and look into it a little bit more, uh, go ahead and do so. Uh, Go to abetterfuel.org. That is abetterfuel.org. Dot org for more information and don't this don't miss this chance to be an advocate for the farmers seriously i mean they can use our help obviously uh it was the stupidest well i should say stupidest it was one of the stupidest things you could do uh bill o'brien look four times in six years they won the division uh they've been to the postseason uh, the houston uh, texans they pretty good football team but they were never able to get over the top so what do you do Pretty much your best player, you trade him away because you have a personality conflict with him just to prove a point, and he's now leading the league in catches. And then you want to be the GM, you want to be the play caller, you want to be, uh, you know, God among men. And, oh, by the way, the guy that is truly looked at as a god down there in Texas, and I believe J.J. Watt could run for governor and even win Dallas on the ticket. And you get into a heated fight with him to the point that uh, it's either me or him well, the team's not going to follow you, Bill, you dummy. They're going to follow J.J. anywhere he goes. That's just the way it is. So uh, Bill and, Bill O'Brien fights with J.J. Watt and the defensive coordinator. Does the, well, it's, I'm Bill O'Brien and I'm end-all, be-all. Well, anyway, long story short, that's that was it. That's when J.J. Watt came out and said something's got to change and ownership was listening and they went, oh, okay, J.J. doesn't like him. Okay, get rid of this clown. Get him out of here. So that's exactly what they did. More about that came out yesterday. So uh, pretty interesting there. Hey, coming up after the top of the hour, buy or sell. Also, we're going to hear from David Bakhtiari, who made his uh, weekly visit yesterday on uh, the big show, which is on our flagship station, 1250 AM, 
in Milwaukee, the fan. And don't forget, hit us up with uh, your fantasy football questions starting now because at the bottom of the next hour, Kate Majuk from ballblastfootball.com and rotoworld.com going to be here. We're going to be taking your fantasy football questions because obviously with the Titans and the Bills, Steelers coming back, game tonight, Packers off. I mean, there's there's going to be some questions. going to be some questions regarding fantasy football. So start getting those fantasy football questions in now as well. A lot of that stuff uh, coming up. Uh, if you want to hit us up, you can also do so, 855-830-8648, 855-830-8648. You can hit us up there, and we can uh, start ch- chit-chatting a little bit about some fantasy football coming up here in a little while after by ourselves. So don't forget to get that into us. Hey, by the way, speaking of this time of year, uh, we know, and I was mentioning it before with uh, you know the fields and the corn and such, but don't forget, you also have this time of year. Uh, the leaking of windows and doors and patio doors and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have now, um, you know, the colder weather is going to sit in. I know it's going to be nice this weekend, but after that you're going to have some rain on Monday and then it's going to be cooler weather and it's going to continue to go down from there pretty much. And you want to get the windows replaced. You want to get it done now. You've only got a little time left to get the deal. The 555 from Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. That's five years, no interest, and no payments for five months, plus 5% bonus savings on windows, doors, and installation, by the way, my friends. So those low, old, leaky doors, windows, they're not secure. Maybe you want to make sure that uh, you're safe in your home as well. You know, not just saving energy, but safe in your home. All you got to do, all you got to do is uh, go ahead and give them a call. Or just stop by the nearby showroom or the Pella Experience Center or set up your free consultation right now by simply going to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. Dot com and see for yourself. Good stuff from our friends at Pella Windows and Doors. Buy or sell coming up. Bottom of the hour, Kate Majuke. Get your fantasy football questions to us. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.